0: Do you feel stuck in a rut? Are you ready to start crushing your goals the way you see everyone else around you doing? Are world events leaving you with a sense of urgency to level up your life? Well, you're in luck. That's why I created the Level Up Your Life Cheat Sheet. This cheat sheet will give you the mindset tools you need to achieve your goals and live your dream life. Taken from several best-selling personal development books, I've taken out all the fluff and distilled it down to five key takeaways you need to level up your life. It includes no-nonsense action items like, five ways to improve happiness, because happiness leads to success, not the other way around. The real moral we should be taking away from the tortoise and the hare fable, and how your daily micro decisions might be derailing your success. I also included a little bonus for you at the end. To really accelerate your achievements, what we all really need is a little bit of kindness. That's why I invite you to take The Kindness Challenge with me. Based off the best-selling book, The Kindness Challenge, the author concludes that kindness is a superpower. Kindness can change any relationship, make your life easier, and transform our culture. Success means nothing if we don't also nurture our most important relationships. I've been implementing the tactics revealed in my cheat sheet in my own life recently, and my productivity has skyrocketed as a result. So if you want to be a goal-crushing machine, head to levelupcheatsheet.com. That's levelupcheatsheet.com to get your free download and start leveling up your life today. welcome back to another episode of liberty alliance networks what can we do i am hayley heathman and today i am pleased to be joined by isabel sam isabel is a wife and homeschooling mother to three awesome children uh her background is in the sciences and she uh once upon a time had dreams of becoming a doctor and a scientist um, but changed course to become an entrepreneur um so her mother and grandparents were free market capitalists uh, with relatives in the government. They escaped socialism as it tried to destroy their country. And her husband also escaped socialism at the age of 12 to avoid a socialist military that drafted 12 year old boys. So right now she's on a mission to teach Americans how to live in community prep and unite. So communism has no chance of ever taking over in the United States. So welcome yeah. to the show,
1: Isabel. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um,
0: you've got a really interesting background, um, both, well, not just you, but you and your, um, husband as well. Um, why mm-hmm. don't you, I like to, I'm a chronological person. Why don't you start me there with, um, I think you've got, uh, some badassery too in your, in your family. <laughs> uh, yes. So why don't you talk about that and, uh, give us an idea of where you're coming from and, uh, your background.
1: Yeah. Um, so from the stories that have been passed down to me, uh, on my mother's side of the family, um, they, uh, that, that family, um, escaped, uh, Spain during the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, they were Jews at that time and they were obviously trying to kill Jews (laughs) during the Spanish Inquisition. So, uh, the family joke is that we, um, we hung a pig, on our porch changed our name and got on the first boat out of there to South America. <laughs> so we uh we ended up in South America and uh we were doing fine there. Um we most of us are were free market capitalists uh today they would be called libertarians and uh they were um kind of seeing some bad things going on within the government, like you know teeter-tottering back towards socialism. So I had several family members who got sick of everything, and they decided to run for office. So I had um, mayors, um, I had uh, Supreme Court justices, and uh, even, it's kind of like Speaker of the House, um, all related to me. And then my grandfather's um, brother, who was actually a democratic socialist. Um, he became president of the country and he was uh, later overthrown during a coup and then assassinated and um, so during all of that going on, um, my grandfather you know he was he was never involved in any of the politics, neither was my grandmother. They wanted to stay out of everything but they were for capitalism. And so they decided, okay, well, things are starting to look bad. Let's go out. Let's, um, they, they had a, They had some property out in the country, so they, they owned a farm. So they said, we're going to move out to the farm, and we're going to stay out there. We're going to stay out of the cities. We're not going to have these problems that the cities are having. We're just trying to live in peace and in our capitalism. And, uh, yeah, the, the going out to the farm only bought them a few months because then people started showing up. Um, On their property, Uh, there were times that my grandfather had to open carry a rifle um, so that his children, so that would be my mom, um, around like getting to her teenage years, so that she would be protected along with her four siblings. And um, my grandfather was involved in this huge project for this huge dam. Uh, He was a civil engineer. So uh, he was managing engineers from five different countries, multiple languages, Massive amounts of money being spent. He was being offered jobs in all these other countries. And he said, hey, things have gotten too violent down here. Let's get out. And so they got out. <laughs> and I'm first generation born here. And I, I'm just seeing a lot of the things going on now that uh, my family has warned me about growing up. So, Can yeah. you
0: say what country you were from?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. So my uh, family's from Bolivia That's what I in thought. South America. Yeah.
0: So it's almost like, though... Uh, out of the frying pan and into the fryer a little bit, escaping from Spain and then going to Bolivia and uh, I guess encountering more or less the same thing there. Um, so what is it that that you think is going on now that echoes what your family saw in Bolivia?
1: Yeah, so we're just, we're seeing the government um, come in and take over take more and more of our rights away from us. And then we're seeing uh, the money become less and less stable. And we're seeing a lot of people who are now becoming more and more dependent upon the government. And when you have people who are becoming dependent upon the government, a government that cannot control itself with its spending and how it's inflating its money, uh, you're, you're basically asking for you know, the net to drop. And everyone who's dependent upon that system is going to drop too. And then that causes massive um, instability within a country. And with that instability, you have a lot of people who don't know how to fend for themselves anymore because they started to become dependent upon a government. They started to become, uh, you know, they started to believe certain fallacies that governments will protect me or that this is going to happen so I don't have to worry about my own personal finances, things like that. And all of that just causes massive instability. It causes massive problems. I mean, we're not talking about people just being poor and being hungry. When people are poor and hungry, that leads to very bad things happening. And so then you can have a government that's still trying to keep their control, and they will go out and and kill people, or they will go out and take your children from you because you spoke out against the government. And we have, we have a lot of things that have already happened like this in South America that were awful to live through. And, you know, you know, I, I did, I did this video, I don't know, maybe a month ago about how people begin to start to disappearing. And I'm not even talking about governments getting involved in disappearing people. I'm just talking about how, If the money starts to fail, people start to disappear and your things start to disappear. Crime rates go up, more theft is occurring and things like that. And then someone forwarded me a text message that they got today from someone involved. It's like from a police officer and the police officer was warning this friend of his that that he's seeing an increase in women being stolen, like adult women being kidnapped in the United States. And I'm like, and he's like, that's what you warned us about. That's why you were telling women to wear tennis shoes all the time so they could run. And I was like, yeah, what, it's women bad. Women stolen,
0: like where to do what or for,
1: what? Yeah. So, so you have different levels of what might happen to you. Like if you, if you would end up being kidnapped, um, what we would see in South America is that, uh, she might, you know, be kidnapped for a day because they just want to get money from you as fast as possible. And then she's dropped off and, and it's like, you know, she was scared a little bit, she's hungry, she's thirsty, but she's basically fine. You know, I mean, yeah, she's gone through some trauma, but nothing really happened to her. She just kind of got tied up in a corner <laughs> and left there for the day until someone dropped off money. Um, and then, and then you'll see the bad, you know, the bad side of it coming through too, like the, the human trafficking, the organ trafficking things like that, that people will just disappear for w- women are, are can end up becoming kind of a commodity. And uh, a lot of people don't realize it, you know, and, and it's, t- I know that I terrify people when I tell them about like, why I wear tennis shoes all the time right now. <laughs> but it's, you know, it it's a thing. Yeah. And yeah,
0: well, and, and I interviewed a, a survivor of well, this was sex trafficking, um, you know, for mm-hmm. 20 years. Um, and you know, we had a very robust discussion. Um, but Florida is the third, I think, what is it? The th- third most, uh, ranked third basically in terms of human trafficking. So we have a very high rate of it. Um, yeah. and you living in, you're in, based in Orlando now, um, you know, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. um, well, of course, a lot of tourism there, but there's a lot of international Mm -hmm. people. It's a big hub, um, even though it's not necessarily on the water, but there's a lot of international people coming and going all the time where you are. So um, maybe, yeah, certainly in your area, I could see where that would be a little bit more of a concern. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, so now your big push right now has been mm-hmm. because of your, your family and their background um, in all of this. And you're starting to see echoes of that here in America. Um, mm-hmm. Your solution or what you can come up with, you know, for one of the best solutions has been to form more tight knit communities. Is that yes, more or less correct? Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and define for me and your, terms, what you consider a community, and why you think that is a solution to, you know, these, uh, our push or our our, uh, trending towards the socialism and all that stuff that we see in Latin America and other countries, but... That can't happen here, right, Isabel? <laughs> oh, no. It's happening
1: here. <laughs> it's coming for us if we don't stop it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So so the thing that you end up seeing in these Latin American countries after the socialism has come through or is coming through or they're experiencing it, you know, my husband's country now is under full on communism at this point. It's Which country is that? Sad. That's Nicaragua. Oh, yeah. It's in Central America. Yeah. Yeah. And um is that, you know, after it's like after they go through you know the you know socialism is sold as like this utopia, right? And then it actually starts to hit and then people actually realize, "Oh, this isn't so much of a utopia." And then all of a sudden they go through the dystopian part of the communism, right? And now it's time for them to get out of it. What they end up learning in that process is how to actually form a really good community. They, like, they separate you beforehand, right? They say you're anti-socialism, you're pro-socialism. They're doing everything to separate everyone and keep them apart so that it's very hard for people to put on this big um, force against the government, right? Because they've been separated in so many ways. And then, and then after they, have, they go through the worst of the worst of going through communism and you know, people are literally starting to starve to death in Nicaragua. Um, Then people all of a sudden learn that, hey, if we would have united together and done something together, we would have been unstoppable. And so what I'm hoping to do here is for people to realize we need to become unstoppable now. And we should not learn this lesson the hard way. We have so many people in this country who are either the first generation of learning it the hard way, or they learned it the hard way, you know, like my husband did as a kid. And if, if we can unite together and form real communities, like what ends up coming out of the bad stuff, the socialism and the communism, where people actually become close with their neighbors because they have to, or they won't survive, then we will be unstoppable in this country. And it can't, it won't be able to come here. And so that's what I'm hoping for us to do since people are now realizing that the lo- that the, that we have like a loneliness epidemic that's occurring now in this country. And people are very sad about it. Um, they're even saying that people are just dying from it. It's like people are just dying from heartbreak because they're so lonely. And I'm like, well, well, let's fix the loneliness epidemic. And let's also make ourselves so strong that the government has no chance of implementing communism.
0: Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that's all. I mean... I love it. I love the spirit of it. Um I read a book. Have you read the book uh Live Not By Lies?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Um gosh, it's escapes me who the author is right now, but it's um of course the quote of course is taken from Sol- Solzhenitsyn. Um but it's okay. a it's a author he studied all these Eastern Bloc countries. Um, and it's coming from a faith perspective, but how, especially Christians who are very, who are very much persecuted during, you know, like the Eastern Bloc communism and all that and how they survived. It told their, their stories of survival and how their faith survived as well. Um, I'm surprised you haven't heard of that one, but add that one. I know we've been trading book ideas lately, but (laughs) add that one to your list. I've got it on my shelf out actually at my, uh, living room, but I just can't think of the, the author right now. I'll put it in the show notes page. though once I figure it out, so it'll be in the show notes page, but live not by lies. Um, yeah. And there were lots of different tales about, um, how people like, you know, somebody had to start their own like underground printing press to try and get information mm-hmm. out, like literally digging a tunnel underneath their house, one little room, you know, that they had to do to try and, you know, get a little printing press going so that they could try and s- disseminate information on the stealth. Um, have you ever mm-hmm. read any of Michael Malice's books, like The White Pill or The Red Pill or um, any? No, uh, yeah, Dear- no,
1: I have not read any of his books. I, I told people I'm, I'm a bad libertarian. I haven't read too many of the American libertarian author things.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so well, I haven't read all of his. I've read Dear Reader, but I've heard him on his podcast talking enough. And, and he's, of course, um, he comes from uh, he's Ukrainian, I think. Um, he was born there, but I think he moved to America here when he was, um, three. So he's more or less American, but you know, he knows his family fled that whole Mm -hmm. situation as well. And so he talks about this a lot. And he says, one of the things that that happens in these societies is, um, I mean, I hate to say, this is a, a crude way of putting it, but they really fuck with you. They, they really like, they, they will enter your home and like just purposely put things out of place. Like this is like the, the the Gestapo or the Stasi or whatever and purposely like mess things in your house, but not take anything, but just to like let you know that they were there. Um, yeah. And and it, it really, what happens is that and people are, there's, everybody's a spy. Everybody's a yes. spy. You have nobody to trust. Even people that you think you can trust, you can't trust them. Everybody's turning everybody in. And it really, mm-hmm. it's really a mind fuck. Basically, again, pardon my French. About what happens because you don't know who you can trust, you don't know who your tribe is, you don't know if somebody's been turned because they have ways of turning. You know, all they need to do is arrest your, you know, your relative, and Mm -hmm. bribe you and blackmail you into getting information, and who you thought was a trustworthy person all of a sudden isn't because they're being blackmailed. And it yes. really rips at the fabric. You just don't know. You don't know how much that can mess with your mind until mm-hmm. you've experienced it. Like you think you think you know, and we don't. We have no idea. We have no idea. We yeah. have had it so good in America for so long. We can't even fathom the levels of hell that you go through when you live in these societies. Um, yes, and it's just. It really. I'm going on a rant. I'm sorry, but it really pisses me no, off when, when you see like these limousine liberals, you know, like um, fantasizing about this um, s- socialist utopia that they think is going to just like, like they just say, see sunshine and rainbows. And they, they, they sit mm-hmm. there and um, lift up uh, Cuba and try and put to that. Oh, look at them. Look at their healthcare system. Look at their education system. We should be more like Cuba. I'm like, Cuba, are you kidding me? No, you know, there's not really Mm -mm. a a question rolled into that, but I just, just wanted to, you know, point out some of these, um, other resources and what I've read, uh, as well (laughs) about these hells. I mean, it's hell on earth and we have no idea. You think, I mean, the worst place here in America doesn't compare to probably the best place in some of these, you know, other countries historically.
1: Yeah. 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 It's it. yeah. It, people don't really realize how it is that it's possible. Like I, I have a, actually a former client of mine. She told me that she found out when her, her grandfather was close to his deathbed or something like this, that, that he uh, was part of the SS during World War II. And she was like, how could you have ever joined the Nazis? And he said, well, they came into my house they pointed guns at all of my family members and they told me if I didn't join them that they were going to kill my entire family right in front of my face. And I was like, yeah, that's what happens in these yeah. societies. It does happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last, one of the last elections here in Bolivia, just before the last socialist um, got out, um, you know, he, he was a, uh, he, he was an Indian. He, he was a, um, He was a native, right, to Bolivia. And he uh, was so determined to win that election, he sent people up to the mountains where the natives live. And they pointed guns at their faces and said, if you don't come down to the cities and vote, then we're going to blow your brains out. Where was it?
0: What country was it where somebody, like the leading political candidate, was just assassinated? Which country was that? Ecuador. Ecuador. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. Just, I mean, that's why you can't ever reform. I mean, I won't say can't ever, but it's so hard in places like Mexico and everything. work. um, You you know, if you ever do try and run a political candidate that actually might want to change things, I mean, they just kill you.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Which is why I'm saying, hey, we need to right now be working on our communities so that, look, the lead guy, he may get taken out. It could happen. I mean, it happened to my uncle, Mm -hmm. but we need it to be such a strong community underneath that even if he is taken out, then this, the change still moves forward. I mean, that that's essentially what we did see happen in the United States with Martin Luther King Jr. Right. He was taken out and the change still happened. Mm
0: -hmm. So I think I, I interrupted, but like in your mind, tell me or maybe I'm retreading old ground, but feel free to answer this how you want. What does community look like to you then?
1: Yeah, so, uh, so for me, I think the closest thing that I can tell people in the United States is to maybe look at the Amish, okay? So the Amish all know their neighbors, even if they don't have the technology to be checking their Facebook posts every night, right? And they actually know their neighbors so well that they can walk into another Amish family's kitchen, and they can prepare an entire meal in there because they know that other person's kitchen that well. And then if something happens, and your your neighbors will know right away, and then they'll be immediately working together to be together. It's a very to help that person. So it's a very interconnected community that values the personal autonomy, but it's not swinging towards the pure individualism that everyone's complaining about in the United States. Like everyone's like the founding fathers worried about the individual. And I'm like, the founding fathers would have known about personal autonomy, but they were also very interconnected. They could not have waged a war against the biggest empire on the planet without being very interconnected and dependent upon each other to be able to do that. But we've lost it for so long that I feel like the closest thing that I can show people in the United States is like, look at the Amish. And what do you see that is posted about the Amish on social media? You see when they do a barn raising, right? Mm -hmm. You see all these people together and the barn goes up in one day and you see them all, all of them are working. They look like an anthill or something, (laughs) everyone working together and they make it happen. And the barn goes up in one day. And I'm like, so what if we had community like that all over the United States? We all had our groups of 150 people, the Amish split at 200. They go off and they make a new community. So I'm like, what if we had communities of 150 people all over the United States and we all could work together that well? We all knew each other's kitchens. We all were involved in each other's lives. We were all helping each other. We were all, you know, um, you have a difficult teenager and you're like, I just don't understand my teenager, but he's maybe really into rock music. And then you've got this other neighbor who teaches rock music at the local university. Like what if he spends his afternoons with that person and that person is helping him develop into the better person that we all want him to be, but he really needed help from the neighbor and the parents didn't understand him well enough, but they still love him. They still take care of him. They're still his biggest cheerleaders, but he really needed that person. And now we're all missing those people from our lives. Like we have other people who we don't even know about who should be involved in our lives because they would maybe see the small little idea that we had in our brain. And they'd be like, oh my gosh, and I can help you with that. And all of a sudden that idea becomes something major that changes things for the better for tons of people. But we're all missing that. And so we're, we're missing kind of this vital portion of ourselves that makes us amazing. And I want, to, I want to bring that back. And then when we have this whole entire blanket of huge community, then how are they ever going to mess with us? Because we're going to know each other. And we're going to know this person's going to show up in my house when I threw my back out and I can't help my children. And they know where the bathroom is to help my little children take a bath at night and go to bed. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not going to be able to mess with us Mm -hmm. if we're at that level.
0: All right, let's face it. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably trying to survive and thrive in a world that hates you, hates your values, and just wants you to go away. In a world gone mad, the question on your mind is, what can I do? How can I provide for my family in case of more mandates? Protect my kids from the woke mind virus? What about economic instability? If these questions have been weighing you down, I've got the answer. Tom's School of Life. Tom Woods is a New York Times bestselling author, libertarian podcaster with over 2,000 episodes, and father of five. Tom's School of Life offers practical liberty solutions for the problems that keep us up at night. When you join, you'll be met with a robust community of like minded people all working towards solutions rather than complaining about the problems. Tom hosts two webinars each month taught by subject matter experts in areas we really need help with, like starting an online or offline business, homeschooling, how to avoid the sick care system, personal finance, real estate investing or how to negotiate, taught by actual FBI hostage negotiators. But the way we make these ideas a reality is through the accountability groups. These are the heart of the program. In these, you get to work towards and workshop your dreams, goals, and aspirations. It could be a weight loss goal or starting your side hustle so you can finally leave your soul-sucking corporate job. There's also a jobs board, a forum, in-person meetups, and all the tools you'll need to survive and thrive in a world that hates you. I've been a member since its inception, and I have found the knowledge and network to be invaluable. So if you've been losing sleep wondering how you're going to get by when they inevitably try and pull another fast one on us, don't wait. Join us today. Go to LibertyAllianceNetwork.com forward slash T-S-O-L. That's libertyalliancenetwork dot forward slash tsol for Tom School of Life and join me and other action takers. See you in there. And it's it's kind of a paradox of our modern society today, where we're more connected than ever, yet more disconnected than ever. I mean, you yes. know, through social media, of course. And it it it's it has been positive. I mean, obviously, you and I met through Telegram. Um, and social media, that's how we initially got connected. Um, and I've met lots of great people online, but at the same time, and this is really, this point was really driven home to me from COVID is, um, when shit hits the fan, um, who do you know in your backyard or, you know, relatively close by that's going to have your back? Because it doesn't matter if you've got a thousand Facebook friends all over the U S and worldwide, when shit hits the fan, who do you know in person in real life? that is gonna have your back, that is gonna, you know, help you out. Um, yes. And so, you know, I think social media is an important tool to help you find in, in-person friends and in-person meetups. Um, but if your entire social life is online, it's really time to find, you know, to go back, you know, uh, Analog, as they say, go back analog where we do things yeah. out in real life and even our own communities. Like I live in an HOA neighborhood, but um I mean I still don't know that many of my neighbors, even though we're all right here. <laughs> so why don't you tell me about your um build your community challenge? You started this, you know, you, yeah. you see the problems, we're trying to get out ahead of this. We don't want to to wait until we're wasting away in the breadline before we decide, you know, maybe I should meet my neighbor. Um, so what's your idea? You started this build your community challenge and the Florida freedom family. Why don't you tell me about that and, and how you got the idea? Cause I, I mean, it's one thing to say, yes, we need community, but you actually have like an action plan for how to do that,
1: which (laughs) is great. I
0: I love it. I love when I saw this, I was like, Yes, I love. I I mean, this is awesome that somebody actually not just said we need to do something, but actually came up with a plan for how to do it. So walk me through that process and how you came up with this plan and uh, what, what it's all about.
1: Yeah, so, okay, so. Basically, at the beginning of this year, I was talking with my husband that maybe we should move to Mexico because I was just like, it's it's so hard to find community in this country. I know tons of people, but then asking them to kind of take that next step and be an actual really good friend just seems like it's impossible. And people don't understand it, right? Like They call community seeing their friend once every two months. And they call that their community. And I say, no, that's not community, that's an acquaintance. And, <laughs> and they're like, no, that's my friend. And I'm saying, no, that's not a friend. <laughs> and um, so then so then we, we went through some troubles with that. We were like, we, we can't do it this year. And then uh, came down the pipeline, this bad bill that is that is affecting now homeschooling families in Florida. And so I was like, okay, we have got to do something. Um, I had been bugging, you know, this group of libertarians to get off their butts and do something for so long. And I was just tired of fighting with them. And I said, okay, well, um, I'll just create a website. We'll call it Florida Freedom Family and we'll get through session and then we'll figure out the next steps, right? So that's essentially what we did through session. And then right after session was over, during the whole time I had been reading books, because I felt like when I was trying to explain community to people in the United States, I felt like I was trying to describe to them a color that they had never seen. And I could not figure out a way to describe it to them. So um, the scientist part of me kind of kicked in. And instead of reading white papers, I was reading tons and tons of books about anything that I could find from the library that if it came up with community or deep friendships or close friendships, I was like, I have got to learn how to s- describe it in a way for Americans to understand me. And so then I ended up reading tons of books. Many of them were very dry and boring. And, <laughs> and I sort of came up with these three books that I felt like these three books, I think are going to do a really good job. They're all written by Americans to describe community to Americans from an American perspective. And I was like, let's just roll with that. And then we started rolling with that. Um, we had you know, over a hundred people say, yes, I want this. I'm gonna commit to this. And then we started reading the books and then people like would kind of start reading a book but then they kind of fall off. And then they would be like, I don't have time for more things in my life. And I'm like, no, no, we got to, it's like a process. We got to get through it because all of a sudden when you're not having to schedule all these people and you're just kind of dropping in on each other's lives, because in the end, you're supposed to end it with five close friends within five miles of your home. Then you're actually going to be able to throw out a lot of things that you do in your life. You know, like the kids don't have to be involved in an activity every single night of the week for them to be able to talk with other kids, right? Like they can just play with a kid that's within five miles of their home that, you know, their family it'll make life easier. Um, but a lot of, a lot of people still couldn't see it. So then I was like, Oh, dang it. I I haven't done a good enough job. So then I kind of started reading more books. So now there are more books on the website for it, um, for everything. And, um, but it's, it's kind of this thing where I'm trying to get people to realize, you know, we, we need to go back to intentional living. We need to go back to being kind to each other. We need, to stop cursing each other out in real life like we do on social media, like that has got to go, or we're never going to make any, we're never going to make friendships here. And then it, and then it goes back to the basics of parenting. And then there's, there's a book on there actually about how the Amish parent and live in community. And then we go to, here's how we're going to build our community of five close friends within five miles of our home. And again, all these books written by Americans And like the last book that we end with is, you know, written by an American lady who had the tons of trouble building her community because she had so much stuff that she had to work through in her own life as she was doing it. Um, But she does it. And I'm like, okay, so we're going to have a lot of problems. We're going to have disagreements. We're not going to get along. We're not going to know how to express ourselves perfectly. We're not going to have conversations the best. We're going to have to forgive each other. But it's going to be worth it in the end. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. And I, you know, I made that post on Instagram that you commented on, and and that was actually taken from um, the seven uh, habits of highly effective people, um, which is not not one of your books, but um, it it kind of fits in with all that. But um, talking about the difference between independence and interdependence. So and then, of course, dependence, dependence, we know what that is. But but I think we don't quite understand the difference between interdependence and independence. And right now, yeah. we we put a premium on independence. I want to raise an independent, you know. I want my children to be independent. I want to be an independent woman, etc. And independence is I, 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 I can rely on myself. Interdependence is we, 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 where you have yeah. a, you work together with other people to achieve a common goal, and um, that that's basically the essence of relationship. Any relationship, whether it's a business or a professional relationship, your marriage, yeah. your family, your, your relationship with your child. But relationships are interdependent. But we are not raising children to be interdependent. We are raising them to be independent. I, 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 as opposed to focusing on we, we, we. How can we make it a we yeah. thing and not just an I thing? And I think that's what your book... Um, what the hunt gather parent was really good at showing was how these other parents and how these other families and um, totally different cultures all across the world, not American, Mm -hmm. but, you know, they were very interdependent communities. Yes. Um, You know, so that's just, I I think that's something that we've lost in our societies is interdependent. We've placed a premium on independence and we've forgotten how to be interdependent. And now I think we're seeing some of the problems associated with that. Nobody knows how to have a relationship. Nobody knows how to have a conversation. Everything's so easy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't need to be interdependent yes. when I can call Instacart. I don't need to go to my neighbor, neighbor and ask for a cup of sugar when I can call Instacart <laughs> yeah. and say, hey, deliver me some sugar. So, yeah, yep. I'm independent. I don't need no man. But <laughs> at what expense? At what expense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what we all need to start asking ourselves. Like how far do we want to take this? You know, because it, because we're seeing now, you know, I'm seeing now major ramifications of some of these things. You know, I have several friends who are going through divorces right now because they just could not handle the COVID stuff well. And that was too much stress on the two of them. And because the two of them don't have other people who know them really, really well, and who they trust and who they're willing to have in their lives to be like, hey, stop being a jerk like this to your husband or to your wife. And, you know, be saying, hey, how are you going to do better at this? Where's actually the root of this problem? Is it actually with your husband or your wife? And start figuring it out, put yourself back together, but they don't have any of those people in their lives. And so, Now homes are being sold and split. I mean, do we want this for these kids? Or do we want them to actually learn how to get over these problems and how mom and dad could be better so I can be better and I can do better as an adult too? Do we want to give them hope or do we want to give them, here's what American life looks like now?
0: And that's what I think the point of the book, the kindness challenge was that was the first book that we started yeah. reading was the kindness challenge. And I loved that was really, that was great. I love that one. Um, <laughs> because, and it was, it was so inspirational and it was just like, yeah, I mean, I could see how transformative it is. If you really stuck to it and really put your mind to it of how it really could transform relationships and, um, how, it's, it doesn't have to be monumental, just, you know, mm-hmm. being be, being kind. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it seems so simple and it is, but it's not easy.
1: No, no, I'm, I'm not saying any of this is going to be easy. I mean, we're going to have conflict. I've already had conflict with some people like yeah, right. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. Um. But what I'm saying is that we can at least start taking the steps in the right direction. And I think if you're just having kind of this open mind and saying, I'm willing to change. Let's see where this goes. I think you've laid fertile soil for anything amazing to grow. Mm. And yeah, we're going to have our problems and we're going to have tornadoes that come through, but we're going to be stronger in the end of it. Yeah. And And we can do it.
0: Well, yeah, I agree, and and but I think you know now it's not a going gets tough society again because we're also disposable because we've had it so easy here. The going yeah. gets tough, and it's like, ah, screw you! I don't need you anyway. You know, I'm gonna go find a new yeah. friend, or and, and you know, rather than toughing it out and sticking through it, and I think you know, you talk about. um, of course, something that's relatable to us is the Amish, but something that came to my mind was, and this wouldn't be relatable for most of America, but th- some people would really relate to this, but um, a sorority or a fraternity, when you, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's your last probably real opportunity to form a strong bond with another group of people and to learn right. how to live in that sort of community. Of course, I, I was a sorority girl, um, lived in a sorority and it was, I've never been a girl's girl. Uh, I've always been, you know, yeah. I was an athlete and everything, <laughs> but I, I always used to say that joining that sorority was probably one of the best things I could have ever done. Cause I loved finally for once in my life being close and close knit with a group of women who knew you who knew you, you know, knew your faults and knew your strengths and, you know, you could rely on and they had your back and they helped you through. And yeah, of course there were spats, but you got through it. And that's probably like the last real time in our young adult lives. Cause then after that you all split off, everybody talks about how hard it is once, you know, basically after college, but you know, especially once you get your thirties, how hard it is Mm -hmm. to to make friends, it's, it's, especially if you've got kids or you, it doesn't matter, you know, cause everybody kind of splits off. You get married, you have your family and you just kind of start doing your own thing. Um, yeah. I, I did those connection calls um, late recently that you were, you were one of them. Um, I just, yes, for some, I think it was kind of inspired by what you were doing with this. Um, I had a lot of things happen all at once, just personally. And, Just anyway, I I felt that need. I really wanted to start to connect with people. And so I set up a Calendly with various people through the Tom Woods groups. And um, so they weren't like total strangers, but I didn't necessarily know them personally. And uh, really interesting where one of the um, common threads that I did notice when talking to people um, was what you mentioned before was maybe if they didn't, even if they didn't directly state, state it, I kind of sensed it was uh, a sense of loneliness. Um, yeah. and, you know, some of the, a couple of the people I know wanted to talk to me again, even though they didn't state it, but I could just tell that they were kind of lonely. They didn't have yeah. anybody else to talk to. And they were actually really grateful that I took the time. They're like, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, I really enjoyed this. Thank you for reaching out and doing this. Cause they, they just are, yearning for that connection any connection yes um and like i had another gal who um moved from new york to tennessee during covid because of all the insanity um doesn't necessarily regret the move but was still struggling trying to find her tribe in in her new place you know like she did the homeschool groups aren't the same this isn't the same and so even though she wanted this she was still struggling with that decision and trying to meet new people and start over. So what would you say? What would your advice be? How would you tell people to go about it? People right now who are looking for connection, who are looking for this, where would you have them start?
1: Oh, goodness. I mean, the first place I would tell them to start is right around themselves. So what is it that you... Guys, already naturally gravitate to? Are you all into Kung Fu and you go to Kung Fu three times a week? Have you spoken with another mom there that you felt like you had a good conversation the one or two times that you've conversed? Can you invite that family over for dinner? Um, are your kids involved in soccer? Have you met any families on that soccer team that you could invite over for dinner? Could you um, write letters to all your neighbors? and say, here's what I stand for, here's what I love. If you like these same things, do you wanna come over to a barbecue I'm having in my backyard on this day at this time? Um, I do know of one person who is like highly introverted. So she actually wrote these very detailed letters out and she mailed it to all of her neighbors so she wouldn't even have to go over to their house. (laughs) But she found three people who were like her. (laughs) <laughs> and so I was like, "Hey, you've got your neighbors now." Um, and then with other people, you know, some people have gone on and joined things like Freedom Cells or LocalResistance.org, and they've done emails back and forth with people, which I think is fine. I think that's great. However, I have, I still have not met a person who has said that they formed really close relationships with anyone through any of those means. And I think what's going on is that, um, is that those people are just like looking to meet each other, like once every two months in a coffee shop and they all live very far away from each other. So it's, it's too much of a distance for you to be around each other all the time. Um, but yeah, I would, I mean, I would literally start like, what is it right now that your family is prone to, you know, like you like pickleball, so have you met anyone at pickleball? that you could start inviting over for dinner and get to know them a little bit better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, just, just start where it is that you are. Um, you know, I started going to a book club that meets on Friday mornings and it's all moms. And they, uh, they placed me at a table with a bunch of moms who have children who are around my children's ages. And there was a lady there from Korea. I get along very, very well with internationals. I feel like, I can immediately connect with them very easily. I feel like it's so much harder for me with Americans. And so I met this lady who was sitting right next to me from Korea. I was trying to get her name because she wrote down like an American name. And I was like, no, what's your real name? And (laughs) she was like, no, you can call me the American name. It's okay. It's totally okay. And I was like, all right. And then I, and then I literally just asked her like, how are you doing here? Because she's been here for one year. Exactly. And she just looked at me when I asked her that. And she was like, no one in this country has asked me that. And she was like, I am struggling. And I said, well, then you're coming over to my house for dinner. <laughs> and she's come over now. <laughs> great. So like, I feel like these people are probably all around us, but we probably need to be doing more to reach out to them, you know? So I, I would, you know, start being the one who reaches out, even if you're the introvert, And you have to write letters and put stamps on them to every single person in your neighborhood. That's where I would start. Mm
0: -hmm. I think that was one of the big takeaways that I got from that Jenny Allen book, the find your tribe. I think that's what it's called, but the Jenny Allen. Find your people. Find your people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Was uh, you have to be proactive. Like that you have to take the first step. You have to get out there. You have to put Mm -hmm. yourself out there. Nobody's just going to tap you on the shoulder and notice you and invite you. You have to be the proactive one. It's going to be awkward. Yes. But you are the one yep. that's going to have to take a step to make this happen. Um, yeah, that, that was it. And then I I think you didn't mention that the best part, at least for us, what we're doing <laughs> Is uh, this is culminating in uh, a nice, fun camping trip that's coming up? Yes. Uh, because we campfires, campfires are important, or fire, yep. and, and everybody likes to congregate and gather around a fire. So that's what we're doing. We're 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 in a couple weeks. We're going camping.
1: Yes, yes, we are. And then we're doing our last check in for the Build Your Community Challenge because because we've essentially been acting as a book club all summer. So our last check in is uh, this Saturday. It's actually at my house. And we're going to be hanging out around the fire pit. Then we're going down to um, a food forest for a screening of a movie. That's right. And, I saw yep. that.
0: That's awesome. With Jim Gale, former yes. uh, uh, What Can We Do guest, Jim Gale. So uh, yes. I, I saw you guys are kind of like partnering up or something. Or hey, Yeah, he's out?
1: talking about partnering up with the combatic, combative politics side. And then yeah. he he said that he really likes the stuff that I'm talking about with the community side, but I I haven't spoken with him very much. Um, if you read the books, you know, that we're going through the summer, um, you would know that it says in there that like you need to spend two to 400 hours with someone before Mm -hmm. you actually know this person pretty well. So, um, so I, I have spent just, um, maybe two hours around Jim Gale. So Mm -hmm. I I would say that I do not know him very well. So so we're at the point of like getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. And then we will all be descending upon this uh, campground at the end of the month. And um, we will get a big chunk of the 200 hours taken care of out there (laughs) around the campfire.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's exciting. I'm going glamping because I don't have any camping equipment. So I'm going glamping. Uh, I got my. I'm year. excited
1: for yeah, you. Yeah, I
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> Queen <of laughs> Sheba here, right? Um, so, if somebody wants to replicate this in their own community, what would what <laughs> would you how, could they, should they do the exact same thing that you you're doing, or is it should it be more general, or how can people maybe listening to this podcast do something similar?
1: Yeah. yeah so, um, so I was at the Young Americans for Liberty conference that was actually in Kissimmee um, at the beginning of last month. And uh, there were adults there who were saying, okay, Young Americans for Liberty is amazing, but how do we do this with adults? Like we're all out of college. We have families, we have children, we have mortgages. Like, how do we do this? And they were saying, well, just go to different freedom groups and start meeting people. And I was like, ah. I was like, kind of like, uh, in the back of the room, like, no, I, I mean, like, yeah, do that. But it's not gonna work that well for you. Because I've tried it, it didn't work. Um, so I was like, so I literally walked over to those people afterwards. And I handed them my card. And I was like, you can just replicate my whole website if you want to. And <laughs> start doing what we're doing. And like, here's my phone number, like whatever it is you want. Um, there's actually a group in Australia doing that right now. And um So I I really don't care if anyone goes out and replicates the website. But the one thing that I would say start with is you want to start with yourself and with your own family. So even if you can get these books and just start reading them on your own, and then if you can find, you know, five other friends who also want to read the books, you, you just have to look for people who are ready, willing, and able. That's it. If they're ready, willing, and able to do this, build your community challenge thing, they want to read the books. They want to do this with their own family because n- now the, the website is different, right? It's, we, we have like, yeah. like uh, watch Little House on the Prairie with your kids, right? Because that's, that's a good one to watch for community. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you just want to start there, doing that with your own family and being very intentional with your own family and then reaching out to the people who are around you. And then eventually you want to copy the website and all that kind of stuff. Um, you can do that. If you want to get in contact with me, I am happy to help you with anything. We're still figuring things out, but we're going to keep on moving forward. Um, uh, yeah, I would, I would just say, like, start start with yourself. Like, start with changing your own self first. And then you'll kind of be this little like beacon of hope to other people. And then I think you're going to start attracting the right kind of people to yourself.
0: Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been aiming to do lately. Like I said, I've gone through a lot of big transitions in my life lately. And that's kind of my take. You know, that's what the conclusion I came to for myself is like, I need to be the type of person I want to attract into my life. So I, yeah. I want to put out those vibes and, and do that because I want those to come back to me, put out those kindness vibes and, you know, the generosity vibes and whatever. I want to put those vibes out so because I want to attract them back into my life. But I need to do that work myself. And it goes back to what I say, Jordan Peterson, clean your own room. Uh, yes. So, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, that's kind of the tack I'm taking right now is, look, I know we all want to change the world and we do, Mm -hmm. you know, you're motivated. I'm motivated. We're action takers. This, this whole podcast is about taking action, but really, unfortunately we, we probably can't, I mean, you know, not in a big way, but we can always change ourselves and by changing yourself, you can change the world. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, the very first step. That's it. Yeah. So, um, how about we, uh, go ahead and, uh, why don't you plug anything you want to plug, share some websites, uh with us and um all this will be in the show notes page at liberty alliance network.com slash what can we do um we'll put it all on there but uh isabel go ahead and uh tell us more where we can find you
1: yeah so well first of all you'd you'd probably be checking out the website so it's um fl freedom fam f-a-m dot m-e and on there um if you go to the plan then you'll see, uh, the build your community Challenge is number two. And you can click on that and then you can start looking over books. I'm going to start blogging on there about other books, um, to help out. In addition to that, just, just because so many people have been contacting me lately saying our marriages are falling apart, help us. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to work on that too. Um, I way, you know, back in the day I, I was a wedding photographer. I left, um, left science job and uh, became a wedding photographer. And so there were actually books that I gave to my clients when they first booked with me. And I'm kind of unique among wedding photographers because I have a 1% divorce rate amongst my couples. And I do kind of wonder if some of those books that I gave my couples, like as soon as they booked with me or some for some people, I gave it to them as their wedding gift because they booked with me online or something. So then at the wedding. I gave it to them. Um, I do kind of wonder if those books like helps them lay a foundation that was a little bit better. Um, and then uh, we have um, we have Instagram, which is uh, FL Freedom Fam is how you find it. And then we also are on Telegram with a public channel. That's FL Freedom Fam also. And then if you if you sign up on the website for our email list, you will get um, an email right away that gives you a link to a private Telegram chat group where we can talk and start meeting each other in person and encourage each other as we're, we're contacting what we call our extended family members. We're going through the voter rolls here in Florida and contacting people who we think would be um, ready, willing, and able, possibly, yeah. for what it is that we're doing.
0: Yeah. Excellent. So, all that will be on the show notes page. And, um, y- you know, I know not everybody that's listening is going to be from Florida. Um, it's still mm-hmm. worthwhile to um, check out all of Isabel's links so that you can see for yourself um, what she's designed and, and hopefully take that and do something like that within your own community and start your own build your own community challenge. And take it and run with it. Um, you've kind of provided a nice prototype, a nice blueprint, um, but mm-hmm. it's totally replicable. And I think it's a great way um, that people can, uh, a great thing people can do to um, build their own communities wherever they are. So, Isabel, I thank you for yes. your time, for uh, joining us today and uh, sharing your family's experience and background and how that all relates and um I look forward to having more updates and I look forward to our camping trip in a few weeks too.
1: I am too. I'm yeah. going to go into your little glamping tent and probably <laughs> like sit down on a chair and be like, Hey, it's cool in here. She, she gets air conditioning in her <laughs> <tent>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I gotta I do it right. I'm bougie like that. <laughs> I
0: know. That's awesome. All right, Isabel. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, we will catch you you next time on another episode of what can we do? Have a great day. Thanks. Bye.